want to share a little bit about that this morning. Let's just pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives, in our church. We thank you, Father, for your kindness and love for us. And we look to you this morning now, Lord, to minister to us and help us, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, have your way, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the first things I want to say is that, um, you know, the word is, the, the word is, is free and everything that God gives, all his gifts are free to us. But they do cost us something. So there's an irony with God so often, you know. Now, we have to pay something for those we have to pay to benefit from the word, is what I'm saying this morning. Now, I wonder if anyone might be able to guess what we have to pay in order to benefit from the word. It's, it's, well, it's in the word. It's explicit in the word, actually. Um, if you have a look at uh, Proverbs 4, there are many other places but in Proverbs 4, it says this, you have to pay attention. So a, that's, that, you're making payment. You have to pay attention. If you don't pay attention, then you don't qualify to receive so some people, you know, they say, oh, well, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this has happened. I don't know why this has happened. They don't pay. They've not paid. If you don't pay, you don't receive. Are you with me, everyone? So we have to pay attention. It's very important that we pay attention. Um, let's turn, shall we, to uh, Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, uh, from verse 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles there is an interesting word. It's an old-fashioned word, isn't it, really? In the Greek, that word, it, it, it really means in the Greek it's... Um, Methodia is the Greek word, um, methodia, and it means deceit. It means uh, properly a predictable pattern of deceit. So in other words, what the devil's done before, he's going to do it again and again and again, and it's predictable. So we can understand what's going on in our lives or in someone else's life if we understand the patterns of the enemy. And this is very important for us to understand. You know, boxers, before they go into a boxing match, most of the time, you know, certainly professional boxers, they'll watch the videos of their opponent and they'll see the weaknesses. They'll, they'll, they'll understand there's a... There's a weakness in this area. The footwork isn't very good. He's, he's a bit stiff. He's, he's, his jab is a bit suspect. He's not do, They'll see weaknesses, and then they'll, 
be able then to better be equipped to win the fight against the enemy. And so this is what the Bible is explicitly teaching us. Put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Now, where it says there, wrestle, the word wrestle there, there's many words in the, in the Greek for wrestle. I'll just pause a sec on this one. Um, pale is the Greek word there. Now, pale means a struggle and a fight and a conflict, but sometimes in the Greek it means unto death. Sometimes uh, th there's a wrestling match and it's unto death. This isn't unto death. This is a different word used here. And this word refers to a wrestling match that uh, uh, is, is the winner is declared when the winner in those old-fashioned uh, Olympic games, you picture those old-fashioned games, they would declare the winner by the one who was able to pin the other one down with their forearm over their throat, and they were rendered then uh, useless. They'd lost the fight. They were defeated. It's an interesting word that's been used there for this warfare description for us. So we're told that we are basically to have that disarming of those spiritual attacks. So they, they come against us. We disarm them to the point that they're rendered useless against us. Okay? So I have that picture of them being useless against us. Let's go back to the scriptures. It says this, it continues, it says against powers, against the rulers. Um, now on Wednesday, I remember uh, Bishop Tom mentioned RK, um, and that's the word there. Those are the governors, the rulers, the, the, the powers, as you would have in the government, in the authorities. And it giving, it's giving a, a description of a governmental system that the enemy has. So the enemy is operating in a very strategic, planned, governmental type system against us. And he's using, I would say that it was the third of heaven that fell to the earth and, and now in the form of demons and devils and those who are set about the tasks of the enemy, and he's using them to try and manipulate people for his gain, his purposes. I want to touch on the three strategies um, that we heard earlier in the week. Just touch on them this morning, because I want us to really be aware. Um, there's three strategies. Who can tell me, who remembers the first strategy that was mentioned earlier in the week by Bishop Tom. Demons um, have three main strategies. Who remembers what the first one was? Okay, yeah, it's connected to that. But there was a word. Torment. Well done. Did you write notes? You did. You wrote notes. See, this is important to write notes, isn't it? 
So you were paying attention. You paid attention. Part of the payment was you took time to write notes. Excellent job. Torment was the word I was after. That's the word. Yeah, torment. And so demons are working in our world, in your, trying to impact your life in three main strategies. And the first strategy is that they will try to torment. And they try to torment um, uh, through various things. Pain is one of the things. Physical pain is one of the torments of the enemy. Now, it's important for us to do this, see, when we understand this, because then what we do is we then employ the weapons of our warfare. So we're understanding these weapons are the negative weapons, but what we didn't touch on in the week was the employment of our weapons. And now I want us to enforce our weapons, our strategies, what we have at our command, because the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Are you with me, everyone? So they are mighty weapons that we have, and they're available to us. And the thing is this, you see, if we're not used to using those weapons, if we're, if we're not used to using them, what happens is we don't use them. And when these things come, we're swayed by these things. And, and instead of reacting with the force that God has given us, we are more passive than we should be. God doesn't want us to be passive and victims. God wants us to be advancing and on the attack. God wants us to pin the enemy down with our forearm on his throat so that he can't win against us. Now, we're meant to do that in Jesus. Amen? Take aggression. You know, this aggressive men lay hold of the kingdom, you know? Um, I believe that the kingdom of God is, you know, we have to be aggressive in our lives. Aggression isn't a bad thing. Don't think aggression is a, is a bad thing. Aggression is a very useful thing. If you use aggression in the right way, if it's tempered, if it's used with control, anyone in a fight uses aggression to win the fight, but it's controlled. And God wants us to really engage and get a little bit aggressive to win the fight. Say, when these things are coming against us, to say, you, you come against me, well, I come against you now. Now, this has a phenomenal impact on our lives. And of course, this is exactly what happened. And I have mentioned it, but it's... I was reminded of it again this week. It's exactly what happened when I was in America recently, when I spoke to the senators and I spoke to them about what was going on. You know, there's a passivity there. And the church just is passive in this in the main. But we're not that type of a church. We're living faith church. and We're not called to be passive. So that if you have pain in your life, Know this, it could be the enemy that's put it there to torment you. If there's pain in your life, that might, the root of that pain might be the enemy. Now, it's not always the case that this is the case. Sometimes it's, it's through the physical things. It's natural. It's not always. So we mustn't jump to conclusions, you know. But what we must do is be aware that this is a possibility. That's the problem. Sometimes people are so 
they're thinking in the natural realm so often, they don't ever go into the spiritual. What I'm saying is, yes, there is a natural realm to pain sometimes, you know, and that's, we deal with that with medicine. We're happy with medicine. We go with those things. That's, that's the wisdom of God in itself. God is the one who gives doctors the insights. God's the one who is behind medicine. You know, that's all, it all, all good things come from God. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we must employ that, but sometimes there's a spiritual root to these things. And I want us to be aware of that. And I want us to know that in God, we have been given mighty weapons and he's called us to use those weapons. And so I want to ask if anyone's in physical pain today, what's the root of that physical pain? Are you in physical pain this morning? Are you suffering in your life with physical pain? Maybe the root is demonic. Maybe. And then depression. If you have depression, depressive thoughts, I'm prone to it, to be honest. I'm prone to depression. I am prone to depression. You may not think so. It's all the more of a miracle the way I am in life, where I'm buoyant and you see me as buoyant. Most of the time I think I'm buoyant, but... That's, that's a miracle of God because I'm prone to that, that side of things. I mean, Charles Spurgeon was prone towards that. Charles Spurgeon would write about being terribly depressed. He could hardly cope with life. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, could hardly cope at times because of the depression, the, the attacks. Um, depression, even suicidal thoughts. People have suicidal thoughts. Suicide is, is, um, is something now that people think of and the figures for suicide in our society have gone up in a graph like this. It's an awful thing. And when we as Christians talk about these things and we as Christians say, hey, there could be a spiritual root to this thing. And if it's a spiritual root, then we can combat it with a spiritual weapon. So now we know these things, you see. Uh, I think that it's a, a tremendous opportunity that we have to help people. Christmas, you know, is a time when we meet lots of people, sometimes in parties. Christmas is a season of visiting family, and you see people you haven't seen for a while. Well, you know, some of those people may be struggling in some of these areas. Some of the people that we meet may be having problems in these areas. Isn't it a wonderful thing that if we find that out, we could say to them, well, this could have a spiritual root. And if it's a spiritual root, it can be dealt with spiritually. Um, it's a powerful thing that God has given us. So the first thing is torment that the enemy will try and do. And he'll try and torment in these sorts of areas. And the next thing that the enemy will try to do, the, the, the enemy tries to blind. He tries to blind people. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says this, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, let me just pause here. Where it says believe not, listen to this. This is very interesting. Well, first of all, blind. Let me show you the word for blind. Um, tuflu in the, in the Greek. The word blind there, it means this. Having a cloudy perspective. 
properly blowing smoke, which causes blindness, experiencing a clouded vision. Have you got a clouded vision? Cloudy thinking, not clear thinking, cloudy. They can't see straight. That's a picture of someone here in the scripture that's really had their, their, their mind, their mind has been clouded by the enemy. It's an interesting thing. And the next word I want us to look at is of them which believe not. So they're clouded and they don't believe. Well, that word for believing not there is this, apistos. And it means this. It means, okay, someone who's not faithful because they've not been fully persuaded on something. So they can't faithfully adhere to the word of God because they're not fully persuaded. So they've not entered into a full persuasion of what the Bible is saying on a matter. They're not fully convinced. They say, well, yeah, maybe God could do it, but I'm not sure that he will. That's what it's saying about an unbeliever. It's not someone who doesn't at all believe. It's not someone who said, oh, I don't believe in Jesus. No, it's someone who could be saying, well, I believe in Jesus, but they've got a cloudy mind. They're not fully persuaded. They're not really walking with faith. That person has been described as an unbeliever here. Isn't that something? Now that ought to wake any believer up and shake them into a belief and say, oh, I better believe. I better not be one of those. Because clearly from the scripture, when you understand it in the Greek, it's describing someone who might say from their mouths, oh, I believe in Jesus, but in practice isn't really walking with faith in Jesus. And that's a huge, massive insight there that would really change you know, most of our minds on this, on this matter. And what it will do is this, it'll say to us, hey, I better than put a demand on my faith. I better be using this faith that God has given me. He's given me mighty weapons. I'm going to employ those weapons. I'm not going to have the weapons that God's given me lying on the side, on the table, unused in my home. Lying, you know, just equipped. I've got the belt, but I've got weapons here, but I don't bother using them because I don't really believe what the Bible says. My precious brothers and sisters, God is one in a people now who really believe and who really will put their full faith and persuasion in the word of God so that their lives will be shining lights because the need is so great. The need is so great out there. And you're meeting people with those needs every, every day of the week. We meet them every day of the week. And so I think that, you know, as we tune in to these truths, these realities become crystal clear in our thinking, we can then be sharper to deal with things that we meet out there and really make a difference. First of all, for ourselves, and then for the people that we may meet. That word 
Let me just read the verse again. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. <laughs> which believe not. They, those people, it says in, the, in Strong's Bible, I like to go from the experts and I like to look at Bible dictionaries. I like to look at commentaries. I always look at commentaries. I look at Bible dictionaries and I like to go back to the roots because I want to, what I say, I want it to be authoritative. I don't just make up something, you know, and, and I, I need to really examine what I'm saying because God will hold me accountable for what I preach. So I'm, I, I take great care, you know, and great care. It's why I went to Bible college, you know, in the first place. I was thinking yesterday, you know, I, I went to Bible college and I went to the Bible college, you know, and I, I, I paid my way through Bible college. Part of the time, you know, I was, I was washing cars. I'd go around people's houses and I'd have a big bag with me and a bucket and a sponge. Just wash their cars, you know. They give me five pounds Five pound a car wash it was. People, some people would feel sorry for me. I'd, I'd knock on the rich people's homes. Some of them would feel sorry. Usually the ladies would be nice. The men were less nice. <laughs> but some men were nice. Some of the businessmen. I, I noticed the businessmen were kind to me. They sort of liked, I think, the fact that I had a, a bucket and, a, and a, a couple of sponges, you know, and they thought, well, he's doing his best, you know. I paid my way through Bible college by washing some of those cars five pound ago, and I wasn't very good at it. Ian will tell you. <laughs> Perhaps it's why I don't want to wash cars now, maybe. I wanted to preach, you know, the, the truth. I wanted to find out really what the truth of the Bible was. So I went to Bible college to, to really make sure I would say the truth. Because I had a fear of the Lord, you know. I didn't want to preach what I was, um, didn't want to preach anything wrong. I wanted to preach the truth of God. And... And this word here, apistos, I'll read the verse again from 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. They believe not. So it says in Strong's Dictionary here, it says this, does not always refer to the unconverted, isn't that interesting? Does not always refer to the unconverted. It describes someone who rejects or refuses God's inbirthing of faith. God is the one who inbirths faith in us. It comes from God. The faith that we have comes from God. But there are people who um, are in the church 
And they refused to accept that. They refused to go with what God's want, and instead they overruled God's birthing of something to go their own way. Let me describe it like this. God may, want, God may be saying to you, hey, listen to this word this morning. Know that there's these three things, that three main strategies of the devil. One is to torment. Know that the pain that you have perhaps question to see whether it comes from the enemy. Maybe it's a direct attack of the enemy spiritually against you. And so now you can deal with that in the spirit. You can start to say, no, this is how you deal with these things in the spirit, okay? You find the truth in the scripture that applies. You say, for example, you, it could be many scriptures, but, the, but for me, I, I often find myself going to believe and receive from Matthew, okay? 21 verse 22, believe and receive. Or I go to Mark 11 and a similar um, um, testimony there about speaking to mountains, of course. You know, but I find a scripture and I say, right, that is not lining up in my life. That's not lining up to what God says. And it's not lining up to what God says. And therefore, I'm choosing to pull that thing down. I will pull that thing down. So if it's something that's going against your what, what God has called you to do, you know God's called you to do something. You know that God's fit you for to be healed. You know that God's will is healing for your life. I hope everyone in here knows that God's will for your life is healing. There's, there, there's nothing in the New Testament. There's no doctrine of sickness in the New Testament. There's no doctrine of sickness. There's a doctrine of healing. And healing can be yours. And that's what you've got to do then is just say, stretch and say, you know what? I'm going to believe for that. I know that that's what the Bible teaches. You believe for it and then you take the weapons out and you use them for that purpose of healing. You say, Lord, I thank you then that that healing is mine. And I now employ your word for my healing in Jesus' name. I believe that, Lord. So we, we become believers, not those who believe not as 2 Corinthians 4, 4 is describing. It says they, th those people, they refuse God's inbirthing of faith. Uh, so it's a very important thing for us not to do, isn't it? We've, when God puts something in your heart, let me tell you this. There's things in your life that God has spoken that you've forgotten about. God's spoken something to you that you can do something. And, and over time, you, you, you started to believe it. You, you started a little bit of belief for it. And then over time, it's faded. It's faded. It's faded. And it's in the recesses of your mind. And before we take Holy Communion now, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to quicken it back to your memory. That you can this morning take up that thing which God has called you to do. And God has called it in you and you've forgotten about it. And I want to call those things now. I want to snatch back from what the enemy's taken from our lives. I want us to snatch it back now in faith. I want us to get a little bit aggressive this morning. Is that okay with everyone? I want us to employ that faith and get aggressive and pull it back in Jesus' name. Whatever it might be that God has for us, let's take it in his wonderful name. Amen. Let's take it this morning, my precious brothers and sisters. And if it's your healing, if it's healing, if you need healing, when you come forward for this Holy Communion,
take it. Get a little aggressive. Employ that aggression. Know that it's a fight. Yes, he's done it. But you have to pay attention before you receive it. If you haven't paid attention, what I find is people don't receive it. So yes, he's paid for it. Oh yeah, he's done it. He's done everything that he needed to do. But people haven't paid attention. And because they haven't paid attention, they've not received it. You get it by paying attention for it. It's already there. But you get it by paying attention for it. You put a demand on it through attention. Amen? Amen. It's a very important thing there. What I've just said there is really very important. And if we can do that, all of those things uh, will be received. Praise God. So he wants that for us. So we pay attention to his word this morning. We understand what his word is saying. And then we're going to walk in the fullness of it. And just briefly, just on the third point here, it's this. The third point, the strategies that the enemy has, okay? Number one, torment people. He gives them pain, depression, suicidal thoughts. Number two, he blinds people. He makes them blind, okay? Number three... Anyone remember what number three could be? That's right. Who said that? You were paying attention. Did you write notes? Brilliant. Look, the two people who, who, who wrote notes, I wrote notes. You wrote notes, I know. You know, some people say, oh, well, it's not my thing. Yeah, okay, fine. Let, let it not be your thing. <laughs> Who am I? I'm just, you know, is that, I mean, you live your life. All I'm saying is this. If you want it, you better pay attention or else you won't get it. You live your life, you won't get it. If you want to know how I've got some things, I paid attention. And God helped me. That's all it was. I just paid attention. And it's just wisdom to pay attention to this wonderful God who loves us so much. He loves you so much and he loves me so much. Great job. Great job. So he stops us. He wants to stop us serving God. And how does he stop us serving God? Well, people get offended. Oh, how many people throughout the years have been offended by me? Can you imagine me offending someone? Can you imagine it? Oh, and they've got offended, and they've been offended with me. They've oh, they've got, they've had a tantrum, and they've been so childish and immature, and yet they're meant to be in the church. They got offended, the big babies. Oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> but you know what I mean. That's one of the. That's the way the, the, the devil works. He get, that's the third point that I'm speaking of this morning. He stops people serving God. And he, number one, he does it through get, getting people offended. And then he gives people hurts. Oh, they don't understand me. Oh, the pastor doesn't understand me. Oh, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. What a lovely testimony, testimony Oracle gave this morning, didn't she? She was so thankful to her church. She was so kind and so such a lovely testimony. 
Thank you, Orica, for your beautiful testimony, sister. And, and, you know, what a lovely way to be, isn't it? Grateful and thankful. That's the way of God. That's how God is. He's grateful. You know, he wants us to be grateful to him. And, and then, oh, you know, <laughs> I like the one that was written down, the pastor didn't shake my hand. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be, you know, she looked at me funny. He looked at me funny. He didn't say this. She didn't say that. I'm outraged that this happened. It's offenses. It's the strategy of the devil, okay? We're a loving church, and we love people, and we, we celebrate people, and we want to facilitate people. And I want to say this. In January, we're going to look at what we're doing uh, as a church to serve the, the, the church. So I think that everyone in the church, my belief is that everyone in the church should be serving in the church in some way. I believe that very strongly. I think that it's good. Uh, you say, oh, well, that's going to inconvenience me. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's the blessedness of inconvenience for the sake of cause of God. Amen. We ought to be very grateful to do that. It's a privilege to do it. And so we should be serving the church. And the, I'm going to suggest that in January, what we'll do is we're going to be exploring that. We're going to give over the next few weeks some more details. But one of the strategies of the enemy is to stop people serving in the church, you see. It's to stop people serving in the church. I remember, you know, I was a, I was a singer. I was in a, quite a, at the time it was quite a famous band in London. And I would lead services in Kensington Temple, big church, We'd have like thousands of people there. Benny Hinn would be one of the visiting speakers one week and someone else, you know. And, and I'd lead the worship in the, in the church sometimes and um, with my band. And, and we had a great band. You know, my backing singer was, was the lead in Le Mis in the West End. And uh, my, my saxophonist was in a, a pop group called UB40 and another, another group and and we had the, our sound engineer was the guy from Abbey Road Studios, you know, the, where Beatles recorded. Well, so we had a top, I mean, really top people. The guitarist, he's in the charts. And it, we just, it was just top people, you know, the, 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 the best that you could have as a worship band. Okay. You, I don't think you could get better, to be honest. And there were no egos. They were just really, just really, you know, brilliant musicians. But they were just so humble. So humble. And, you know, none of the tantrums that I've seen in subsequent years with people of inferior ability. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. But here's the thing, right? I, we were doing these, we were doing these, um, we, we, would, we would have these, these worship services. We'd have these wonderful times of worship in the church and people would um, people would warm in the service of worship we'd have tremendous times but when I went to the 
pastor, where I felt I was being led to serve under the Brooklyn Tabernacle, the, the one thing had led to another, and I, I knew that I was going to leave my position in KT, Kensington Temple, and I was going to go and serve in this smaller church because I felt led by the Lord to go and do it. I, um, I went there, and the, the chap knew that I was this uh, chap who led the singing and, and, and led the, um, all, all these things, and I had a degree in theology, and I was an ex-trustee of the Brooklyn Tabernacles London Church Plant, and I was da-da-da-da-da, you know. And I said, what would you like me to do to serve in the church? Because I knew that I had to serve in the church. I knew that was right. Do you know what he said to me? Clean the toilets. We don't have a cleaner for the toilets. I thought, what? Do you know who I am? <laughs> And you know what? I'm so happy. It was such, I, I, I had, the Lord blessed me with wisdom at that time because I said, okay, I'll do it because I just wanted to be obedient. Do you know, it was such a blessing for my life. I spent a couple of years in the cleaning of the toilets and um, it was just a blessing for me. It was brilliant. I'd go to the church on my own and I'd go around and I'd, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best. I get a bit obsessed with a certain area. Perhaps I didn't do a good, didn't do a brilliant job, I don't suppose. But, you know, I wasn't being examined, but I did it. And, and it was such a blessing for me. And I want you to have that blessing, everyone. I really think that it's important to serve in the church. I think that there's a key spiritual dynamic that happens when we do that. We show our willingness to God, you know. And so please, when... The offer comes from Hannah or whoever it is to get involved. Please get involved. Please get involved and, and help. Um, it, 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 you'll find that it'll be a great blessing for your life. I'm convinced, you know, some of the wonderful things that have happened in my life, I know have their roots in that heart of service, you know, um, I know that that's, that's the root of it because I think that's the core of really wanting to follow Jesus is to serve him, you know, be humble and serve him. So we're going to be looking at that much more. And uh, if you're not currently serving in some way, there's a few opportunities that we're going to be letting everyone know about over the next few weeks. Am I right, Hannah? Yeah. Okay. So... I'm going to leave it there for us, our, our sermon this morning, my precious brothers and sisters. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He really loves you so much. And I want us to close with Holy Communion. I want to give everyone an opportunity to come now and receive from the Lord. Come forward and receive in faith. And if Michael would kindly come up and help me, please.